we uh, we miss them, but we're glad to see uh, uh, everyone that is here with us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, we are in the midst of a series that we started uh, a couple weeks back on the seven churches of Revelation, uh, and uh, we are going to uh, continue that uh, uh, this morning by the uh, uh, the help of God. Uh, it's um, more or less a um, uh, uh, teaching than, than preaching, and I call it uh, treaching, hallelujah, uh, but um, uh, I have taught extensively out of, out of the book of Revelation, but most of the time it's on a Bible study night or what have you, and um, uh, a lot of folks uh, miss that, and uh, this, fit, this kind of fits in with what we preached about previously about becoming the church. And uh, in the seven churches of Revelation, we find a picture of the church of Jesus Christ as God has pictured it going down through time uh, from Pentecost uh, to the end of the age. And um, we're going to start this tonight. I've got a video clip, and um, I'm going to uh, have them play this video clip, and I would ask that you uh, watch this. Uh, you'll notice uh, some people, their, their faces, is, is, uh, is they don't show their face, or if they do, it's in the darkness. There is a reason for this. And um, when I uh, watched this for the first time myself, I... Uh, it just something just poured out. I just began, I began to weep, and it was a uh, a, a deep intercession uh, for our brothers and sisters uh, around the world uh, who is going through much pain, distress, and persecution this time. So, if y'all would, uh, whenever you can get it pulled up, please play that video. Now. C'est pas facile. Il y a une amende à payer. Euh, they push me. They will, uh, you know, give me hard time. You know, I was crying. I was, I, I would go to my uh, on, the, on the roof and I was wondering, asking the Lord, why me? Then some voice in my mind came and says. Don't think that you are alone. I'm with you always. There are many thousands in the country, living in their villages. They are hidden, they're secret believers, and nobody knows about them. My big brother called me. He asked me, are you a Muslim anymore? Here I can't lie. I said, no. And you start insulting, and uh, you have to come home now, and I will call you, I have to kill you, and... Uh, okay, I keep calm, I said, okay, God bless you, I will come back. So I, I, come, I came back home. 
He asked me, will you be Muhammad that he's a prophet? I said, no. He, tell me, he told me, take off your glass. He came to beat me. His head stopped here, and his uh, knee he stopped here. He can't. He said, he want to beat me, but he can't. I, I told him, can I do something? And you have right to, to stop me, but I want to do it. He said, what? I just stand and I, I hug him. He didn't understand that I love, I love them and I have to love them. Even they, now they, they think that I'm a bad girl and I love them in our case. And Jesus said, if I, if I receive hate or evil, and I respond with evil, the evil never end. But if I receive bad things with good things, it can end. I said, my Lord, I need prayer for to stay strong. I want you to pray. Uh, that people will experience what I was talking about. The, the special experience with God. The good news can change your life. Tell them the good news and they will be saved. don't know how fortunate we are to live in America. And while many preachers in this nation spend much time in debating and arguing over whether or not the church is going through the tribulation, Millions of Christians around the world are being persecuted right now. Many are being tortured. Many are being killed and dying. If, if I were Muslim and being the father of the family. If Kessie was to convert from being a Muslim to become a Christian, then it would be my duty and my obligation to kill her. And if I wasn't around, if I were dead, that would fall to Ronnie. As a young girl on that picture described, she got a phone call from a brother asking her. And by the way, this, this is not 10 or 15 years ago. This is very recently. And he asked her, he says, are you still Muslim? Knowing what the answer would mean, she still said she couldn't lie. And he bluntly told her, I must kill you. We don't know how blessed we are. There are people who come to church in America on and off worship but they take this privilege so much for granted 
And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are losing blood, their life, just because they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Moving on into our message, our scripture reading today is Revelation, the second chapter. We're going to begin to read verse 8, and we're going to read down through verse 11. Revelation, second chapter, beginning reading at verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Mighty God, as we come today, I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to pastor a church to this present time in this country that still allows freedom to do so. God, I don't take this privilege for granted. I want to honor you and I want to remind myself every day of men, women, and children who are being tortured for their faith and are losing their lives by the hundreds and by the thousands. Take this word that you have placed upon my heart and use it to pierce the heart of everybody in this room and those that listen wherever they may be. I'm asking you, God, that you will touch us with your grace and your love and help us, God, ever to be found faithful to your great cause In the name of Jesus Christ, let the church say, God bless you, and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today, our message will be talking about Smyrna, the persecuted and tried church. The Persecuted and the Tried Church. This is the second church which Christ asked John to write a letter to while he was on the Isle of Patmos. Last week we brought to you the church of Ephesus, the church that lost its love and passion. Today, Smyrna, the persecuted, and the tried church. A church that has become synonymous with poverty, pain, and suffering. Smyrna was considered to be the greatest city that was devoted to emperor worship or the worship of Caesar. The common greeting on the street 
if you lived in Smyrna back in that day and you walked down the street of that city, just like if we were walking in Nashville and you walked past somebody, how you doing today? Or, and you tell people to have a, a good day. I've kind of gotten out of that, and for years I tell people have a blessed day. But it was common, according to historians, that if you lived in the city of Smyrna, they were so tied up in worshiping the emperor or Caesar that when you pass somebody in the street, you would say, Caesar is Lord. And they would repeat that back to you. That was commonplace in the city of Smyrna when you greeted somebody as you walked down the street. The Christians, as they walk down the street and somebody come up to them and they say, Caesar is Lord, they would reply by saying, Jesus is Lord. And because of that, they became ostracized, which eventually led to great persecution of Christians in that church. If you remember some time back, I told you of a pastor, an elderly man, who was burned at the stake by the name of Polycarp. Anybody here remember me talking about Polycarp? Yes, some of you remember that. Uh, he was 86 years old when they tied him to the stake and lit the fire to burn him at the stake. When he was brought to trial, if you recall, they tried to get he to recant. And by the way, this was some time after this letter here. This was a few, some time uh, uh, later. But Polycarp had become the pastor of this church in Smarter. Uh, and they asked him to recant and he said, 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. And if you'll recall, I told you the officers that come to pick him up in the carriage to carry him to the place where he would be killed, he had a soft spot in his heart for Polycarp. He knew he was an old man, and he didn't want to see Polycarp go through what he knew he was going to go through. And if you recall, when I told this story, he asked Polycarp, he says, what would be the harm when you get there, just make the statement, Caesar is Lord? What would be the harm in that? Now you see why they wanted him to make that statement, because it was the common greeting throughout the whole city. Everybody said it. Everybody did it. My, my, my. When I think of how much of the world is entered in the church today, and, and people, their logic for doing some of the things they do, for dressing the way they dress, for acting the way they act, their only object in saying that or their only logic in doing it is that, well, everybody's doing it. Other churches are doing it. Other Pentecostal churches are doing it. They ain't preaching it as tough as you, Pastor Pruitt. They ain't talking about holiness like you talk about it. Everybody else is just going with the winds of time. But I'm telling you people, there have been hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children who have been tortured and their lives snapped out because they refused to do something that everybody else was doing. Hallelujah. 
to make things worse for the church there in Smyrna during the time that John was on the Isle of Patmos. The Roman Caesar at that time, the emperor at that time was a man by the name of Domitian. This man was bloodthirsty. He was a tyrant who wanted to kill every Christian that he can find. Because Domitian demanded to be worshipped as Lord. That was his heart throb. And like the message that Ronnie preached last week, when Bell's, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar built his image of gold and the decree was made that everybody in Babylon, no matter where you're at and what you're doing, when you hear the music begin to play, you stop and you drop everything and you worship the image that I have built. And everywhere, people stopped and dropped. But on the landscape, amongst all the people bowing down were three stately Jewish boys standing tall. When everybody else was doing it, when everybody else was bowing down, they refused to bow down to a false god. And the question I've got to ask people today in this country who claims to be Christian, who claims to love the Lord, why do you bow down to the whims of the world? Why do you bow down to the fabs and the feds of this world? Let me tell you, folks, it's still important to the house of God that, hallelujah, it's important to the heart of God that his children, amen, talk like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, dress like a Christian, and be a light to this world. Am I preaching truth, brother? So to make things worse during the time of John's stay on Patmos, this Caesar, this Domitian, this bloodthirsty tyrant who wanted to kill every Christian he could find, it was this emperor who began the second of ten periods of persecution of the early years of the church. There's a lot of things written in Revelation that people will scratch their head about and say, well, what could this mean? You know, this is hard and difficult. But if somebody is willing to take the time, first of all, to pray and seek the mind of God, that's, that's first and foremost. But... If you're willing to take the time to, to look into history and extra-biblical writings, a lot of these things that may be strange to some of us today wasn't strange to the people who read the letter back then. One of the things that we read, Jesus told the church, he said, you're going to have persecution Ten days. Now, this was not ten literal days. Should be obvious because the church back in the beginning suffered a lot longer and a lot more than just ten days. But actually, church history records ten periods, ten periods a worldwide persecution that the church went through during the first 300 years of his existence. Nero was the first one. You remember that man. He's the one that 
that, uh, that, that burnt down Rome and because the people got mad, he put the blame on the Christians and said, well, you know, the Christians teach and preach that the world's going to end by far and they just trying to get it started and burnt the city down. And uh, this madman then rounded up Christians, put them, tied them to poles, and painted, painted them from head to toe with pitch, which is something similar to tar. And at nighttime, he would light it up and watch them burn as human torches as he drove around in his chariot laughing and carrying on like a madman. He started the first period of persecution, beginning in 64 A.D. through 68 A.D. And then now he was dead and gone, and the man by the name of Domitian was the emperor. And he began the second period, which ran from 81 to 96 A.D. And I got them all listed here in history tales Ten different periods. I am persuaded that that's what Jesus was referring to when he let them know you're going to have persecution ten days. And throughout the first 300 years of the church's history, they went through ten periods of worldwide persecution. Amen. And Christians all over the empire were under great scrutiny. And if you'll recall, Jesus also said, I know thy works, thy tribulation and poverty. <laughs> now these prosperity preachers today, I don't know what they'll do about this. Well, you give me all your tithes and let me uh, uh, drive my Bentley and my Cadillac and, 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 and purchase my Learjet so I can fly everywhere. You know, and this is your key to prosperity. Well, the church in Smyrna was stricken with poverty. And Jesus says, I, I, I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. But there was a reason for their poverty. And this part of this can be answered when you study a little bit. You see, uh, if you was, uh, if somebody accused you, if you lived in Smyrna, and let's say you had your house and property on such and such street, and you had everything that you had and you, you 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 became saved you became a christian the law was those you on Wednesday nights know we've been talking about uh about talking about boundaries and about law and we talked about this past Wednesday night that we we supposed to obey the laws of the land until they what contradict or conflict God's law. When man comes up with a law that's against the moral, moral, uh, moral cause of the word of God, you are not to obey that. I have no problem standing and stating it for anybody to hear me on the internet and anywhere else. I will do everything within me to, amen, to, uh, to keep the laws of this country and follow the Constitution Amen, as best as I can until it begins to contradict God's law and I'm going to follow the word of God every time over any law of any man. Well, they had passed a law that if somebody accused you of being a Christian, it might be somebody in the neighborhood just didn't like you. And that's kind of bad because, you know, there's some people you, you, you can be the best thing in the world to and do everything you can do to get, get along with them, but they just ain't, they ain't 
<laughs> they just ain't jihawing. Now, you'll have to ask some of the old ones what I mean by jihawing. Hallelujah. Or maybe they just envy what you got so bad, they knew there was a law. And if they accused you of being a Christian and you was taken to court and the judge convicted you of being a Christian, the person who accused you had the right to take everything you had because you was going off to jail anyway and probably be killed. This happened, folks. I'm not talking about a fairy tale, but this happened time and time again. And that's why the Christians in Smyrna were poverty-stricken. They didn't have everything they ever worked for taken away from them and confiscated. And you telling me that you don't have a privilege and you are not blessed by being a Christian living in America? What would you do? How would you react if that same law was passed in America? And somebody, that person's a Christian. I overheard them talking about the Lord. I've heard them reading the Bible. And you was arrested and carried before a judge and you was convicted. And then whoever was accused you could go to your house, take anything they want, take the house, take the property, confiscate your bank account. That was happening time after time after time in the city of Smyrna in, the, in, in, this, in this period that we're talking about. So Jesus says, I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. But notice in parentheses, he said, but not rich. Hallelujah. I'm a rich man today. I'm a millionaire. I might not have nothing worldly-wise to show it, but I'm rich in Jesus. I'm rich in the Lord. I got everything I need provided me. Well, there again, a lot of modern-day Christians don't have a whole lot to worry about <laughs> because there's a lot of people sitting on church pews right now. If somebody was to accuse them of being a Christian and they was taken, taken to court and they begin to investigate them to see whether or not they was Christian, there would not be enough evidence to convict them. Hello. Hallelujah. So let me rephrase what I ask. If somebody charged you with being a Christian and you was taken downtown to the court, would there be enough evidence in your life to prove it? My Lord. But that's why that the church and Smyrna was poverty-stricken. I've got to move on. I want to, I want, my first point is I want to, I'm going to ask the question, how genuine is your faith? How genuine is your faith? Brother Ira Baggett, a man that we all loved and was, a vital part and a pillar of our church in the past, had a sister. She didn't live close by, so she went to church in Gallatin, but she would visit and come to church over Marina Street from time to time and sing. And, and uh, uh, Brother Baggett's sister, I, her name has slipped my mind, I can't remember her name right now, but she would always say a lot of times when she testified, I want to be real. I remembered that about her. I want to be real. Well, I ask the question today, how genuine is your faith? 
how real are you? By the time of John's writing on Patmos, there were many imposters who had infiltrated the church in Smyrna. You notice what he said. He noticed there what he said. He says, I know the blasphemy of them who say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. You see, there were many imposters that infiltrated the church. And most likely, they were planted there by Satan because Jesus said they're of the synagogues. They're not of my church. They're the church of the devil. They were in the church there physically, but they were planted there by the devil, and they were there to tear down and to do harm to the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. Many times it's hard, it's hard to point those folks out. That's why it's necessary that the spirit of the discernment is functioning properly in the body of Christ. Amen. Persecution was needed to prove the genuineness of those who profess a loyalty to Christ. That was one reason why the Lord allowed persecution to hit. Because now we were looking at the close of the first century, around 96 A.D., when John was the last living apostle, all the rest of them had been killed, and they banished him to Patmos, because of his testimony. And so several years had passed and there was an infiltration. And so one reason why the Lord allowed persecution to hit the church is to, was to prove the genuineness of those who professed loyalty to the Lord but really was not his servants. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, notice that, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness, notice there what Peter said, of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if you'll recall last week, the church of Ephesus tested those who said they were apostles and found them liars. Remember that? That's one thing Ephesus had going for them. They didn't follow every Tom, Dick, and Harry that came along. They did what the Bible said. They tried the spirits to see whether they were God or not. But Smyrna, Smyrna had gotten slack on this. So God's method of testing was applied. You see, we don't follow the direct order all the time anymore of what God laid out in his church. If somebody come along in our assembly and there were some questions about them and who they was and who their character really was, and we and the board and the pastor of the church really did what the Bible teaches us to do, There'd be several people in the congregation get so upset they'd probably leave and go somewhere else. You just being mean and cruel. Bless the quietness. There's a term I was brought up under that I hadn't heard used in a millennium. 
And that term is putting somebody under the watch care of the church. If, if, there's, if there's an office or position that needs to be filled in the body of Christ, and there's scripture for this, folks. You don't, you don't just put somebody in some position in office. Uh, you don't just take somebody's word on who they say they are. There's supposed to be a time of testing to prove them. Do you know, have you heard the scripture that, that Paul told Timothy when he was training Timothy to come up under him? He said, don't you lay hands suddenly on nobody. Let me tell you something. What he was talking about wasn't talking about you getting upset, hey amen, and, and punching them out. But what we have, what God has given me, the word says that what God has imparted to me, I am to lay hands on others and to impart that to others so this thing can flow on. But I'm not to do it unadvisedly and suddenly. I need to make sure whoever I lay my hands on, amen, where I'm ordaining him to preach or whatever we're ordaining for deacon or whatever it may be. Now, Smyrna had forgotten that concept, and because of it, it threw them in persecution. God says, we're going to have to test some people because you've got some people there that's not really of my house. They're of the synagogue of Satan. Hallelujah. So Ephesus did that, but Smyrna didn't. Don't ever mistake that some place, some time, and for some purpose, which you may not be aware, your faith in Christ will be tested. Don't make no mistake about that. Somewhere, someplace, some purpose in time, whoever you claim to be in Jesus, it's going to be put to the test. God's done it all the way back from Abraham. Did not he test Abraham? And if you'll study scripture, before God laid something special on anybody all through time, he put them to a test. He tried them to see how genuine they really are. And folks, in this day and hour that we live in, you better not be following every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes down the pipe. You need to, you, you need to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You could open up yourself and let somebody speak a curse on you. Do you realize that? Do you know if you open yourself up to somebody who's not genuine, Brother Paul, and you open yourself up to them, you could be letting them plant a seed of a curse in your life that could curse your health, curse your finances, curse your family, and everything about you. We're talking about in the spiritual realm now. Hallelujah. We all have to go through a refiner's fire to cleanse and to remove impurities and also to test the genuineness of our faith. I'm going to briefly talk about one more point and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to wind down. I want to talk about end time persecution. One of the most difficult things for the American church to grasp is the fact that persecution is going on against the church in the world in gr with great intensity. One of the reasons that it is so difficult for us to understand this concept is because the freedoms and blessings that we have enjoyed in America over the past 200 years. But the climate is changing. Do you hear me? The climate is changing. And it has been for some time. Persecution of the church is real around the world and is now beginning to come home. 
all of those who are students of church history know of how the church was persecuted during the first 300 years of her existence. We, we've seen the pictures. We've heard them talk about putting them in, in the arenas and turning wild lions and dogs loose on them and, and everything that they did. And all of those who died by the hundreds and by the thousands. We all know about that. If you ain't never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you ought to get yourself a copy. Well, I'm going to make a statement that should blow your mind. According to organizations who monitor persecution of Christians around the globe, and there are several organizations, one of them, and, and I, I, get, I get articles and things from them all the time. Uh, it's called Voice of the Martyrs, a very good organization who monitors persecution of Christians around the world, and, and there are others. But according to these organizations, they tell us, listen to me now, this floored me. They tell us that more Christians have been martyred for their faith, and, and that, that means killed, had their life taken. More Christians have been martyred for their faith over the last 50 years than during the first 300 years of the church. Let that sink in. Your brothers and sisters are bleeding and dying around this world while we're sitting on easy street, getting all kind of blessings for God, but not really doing nothing for God. What would you do when it's your time to stand up before the judgment seat of Christ and you stand up next to somebody who was hog-tied and had their head chopped off for Jesus. I believe, I, I believe I'd say, I'll, I'll step back, Lord. You, you go ahead and give them their reward first. Think about that. There's been more people killed for being a Christian and believing God during the last 50 years than through the first 300 years the church my message is not over but I've got to I've got to hush what's that mean that means we are in the end time we are in the end time and it's coming home we're losing more and more freedoms all the time Sis, I, I can you just come up and just if if anything just do the course of the of, of the song that uh, Becca does. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb you, you, uh, as our altar song. I ju I just feel that in my spirit right now. We're losing more and more. We got to make our minds up now. We got to we got to draw our line in the sand now. When I when I watched that video, I mean it just something just poured out of me. I began to to weep over that. I, I, you know, she was in, in a silhouette form, but I, I, you, you know that she, she was not, she was young. She was not that old. But remember what she said? She says, I love them. I have to love them. They won't kill me, but
just recently, somebody locked up in a three three dark cell for a long time for being a Christian in one of these countries. Every day, he would hear the steps, footsteps, somebody approaching his cell door. He knew what was coming. They was going to take him, wrap chains around him, take him to a torture chamber, and beat him. One day, he heard the steps coming. The door was open. Let's go. And he says, wait a minute, sir. Don't have time. Let me ask just one thing. What is it? Would you give me the permission to hug you? Sammy Pruitt, what are you doing for the cause of Christ? You talk about preaching so long, but what have you done for Jesus? What have you done to really make a difference in this world? Come on up, sis. I've got to close. I've got to close. Everybody stand. I'd like to see everybody around these altars, if not praying for yourself, Pray for those that are being tortured today. Those who are locked up in prison cells today. Those who will have their heads chopped off before the sun goes down today. Your brothers, your sisters in Christ. Just pray for God to comfort them. To bless them. To bless them. Brother, can you get that song on the monitor? I pledge allegiance to the Lamb.